Welcome to the Moms of Tweens and Teens podcast. If some days you doubt yourself and you don't know what you're doing, if you've ugly cried alone in your bedroom because you felt like you're failing, well, I just want you to know you're not alone and you have come to the right place. Raising tweens and teens in today's world is not easy. And I'm on a mission to equip you to love well and to raise emotionally healthy, happy tweens and teens that thrive. I believe that moms are heroes and we have the power to transform our family and to impact future generations. If you are looking for answers, encouragement, and to become more of the mom and the woman that you want to be, welcome. I'm Cheryl Gould, and I am so glad that you're here. Hi, friend. Welcome to the podcast today, and I'm so glad that you're listening in and spending time with me. And today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I am going to share with you a workshop replay. And I did this workshop last week in the Inner Circle Membership Group, and the name of the workshop is Seven Things You Can Do to Support Your Tween or Teen's Mental and Emotional Well-Being. And then I got to thinking about it after hearing from so many of you on our page that, you know what, I need to make this available to everybody because our kids are really struggling on so many levels and we need to know how to support them right now. So here you go. Here is the replay. I really believe it's going to be helpful. And also I want to share with you the meme that I butchered during it because, hey, we can all use a little humor in the midst of the challenges that we're experiencing. The meme is, and we call it meme, quote, whatever you want to say, 2022 feels like that boyfriend we're about to take back for the third time because he swears he's changed. (laughs) Do you relate? I sure do. So, all right, on that note, let's jump in. What do you guys, what are you feeling as you come here? What are you going through right now? I just felt like it was really necessary to do this workshop because of hearing from so many of you that you're going through a lot that's really hard right now. I did put out um, in the big Facebook, our business page, I put the question, what are your challenges? What's a challenge you're having right now? I think it's close to 300 comments on there. And a lot of them were mental and emotional health. And so I really felt like we need to be talking about this. We need to be talking about how to support our kids. And, and they, of course, go together. And what you can do to support your kids, and I had to put in parentheses and what you can do to support yourself because so much of it, you know, this is hard on us. And it's hard on us to know how to help our kids. And that can cause a lot of anxiety on knowing how to help our kids. There's a funny quote, Jen probably scheduled it, Jen Keel probably scheduled it on our page, and I'm going to kind of uh, butcher it, but it's something like 2022 is like your bad boyfriend that kept telling you he was going to change, but didn't, or something like that. And I thought, that is what it is like. I just had to laugh about that because, oh my gosh, you keep thinking it's going to get better, and we're still in it. But not only are we still in it, we're healing and our kids are healing. And I have friends that are teachers in big high schools here in the Chicago area. I've been talking to mental health professionals all across the country, been talking to other moms and therapists and authors and experts in these areas on my podcast. And everybody's still in it. And there's a lot of healing that is, needs to take place. So it is rampant, you know, this emotional and mental health crisis that we're in. I want to start 
by giving you some statistics. And honestly, I kind of thought, do I want to do that? Because I noticed as I was reading them, my anxiety was rising. But I also have a little voice in my head right now that's saying, oh, it's not that bad. You know, I had that, oh, it's getting better. Oh, some kids are doing better. You know, that little whisper. And you know what? It is an epidemic right now, this mental health crisis we're in. And the U.S. Surgeon General on December 7th, 2021, was last month, issued a new Surgeon General's advisory to highlight the urgent need to address the nation's youth mental health crisis. And they go, on, they go on to say how widespread this is, how they're seeing all of the effects that our kids have experienced and that we have experienced. And healing takes time. So that's what I want to talk about as well. How do we heal? So before the COVID-19 pandemic, these are some of these are some of the statistics, sobering st- statistics. Up to one in five children ages three to 17 in the U.S. were struggling with a mental, emotional, developmental, or behavioral disorder. One in five. From uh, 2009 to 2019, the share of high school students reported persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness increased by 40% to more than one in three students. Suicidal behaviors among high school students also increased during the decade preceding COVID with 19% seriously considering attempting suicide, a 36% increase from 2009 to 2019, and about 16% having these suicidal thoughts. Okay, now that does not even include the pandemic which I'm looking at my statistics right now. And I think I took that out actually, which is maybe a good thing, but it has only increased. And the reason that I share this with you is probably due to the interview that I did. And his name's going to escape me right now in the moment because I didn't write it down. But I did an interview with a man whose kid before COVID committed suicide. And he's gone on this quest to really help um, to eradicate suicide among youth. And the thing was that he said that he regretted more than anything else is he was in denial and he didn't see it. And he didn't talk about his own challenges. So I don't want any of us to be in denial. And I probably say that because I myself tend to be somebody that denial historically was a way that I learned to cope. So I don't want us to come from a fearful place. That's why we're going to be very proactive on what we talk about today. But I want us to come from a place of acknowledging the anxiety, the stress, the overwhelm, the depression that this has caused in our kids. And so in order to heal something, we have to acknowledge it. We cannot dismiss it. We cannot minimize it. That is only that is the only way that we are able to heal. So your kids are on, they're on different levels of having anxiety or depression or overwhelm, of stress, but we need to know that it's very real and all of our kids are experiencing it in one degree or another. Here's some of the symptoms. I feel like this is important to talk about too. Symptoms of stress. This is just stress, anxiety, feeling depressed or sad, showing a lack of interest in school or their daily lives, lacking motivation or energy, and feeling nervous or anxious. Now, it's been very difficult to stay motivated for our kids. And I think we have to acknowledge these symptoms in order to come at these symptoms and these these struggles our kids are having and that we're having, because I'm like, ooh, I have a few of those, you know? I'm kind of lacking motivation and energy. I, um, I've been feeling a little depressed myself and a little sad. So just recognizing this is very real, and we just want to acknowledge what is true. And what seems to be new about today's teenagers is that they aren't just stressed about what's going on at home or at school or in their own lives. They're stressed about the world that they're living in. 
And they have so much access to different things that kids are saying. We, we don't even know half of what they're reading, right? Where they're getting their information. They're, they're watching TikToks, right? They're, they're scrolling through Snapchat. They're scrolling on Instagram. And they are bombarded with so many messages that we don't even know they're reading. So we need to really also know that they feel a lot of stress about the world that they're living in. And I will say, my son, who just turned 29, was saying the beginning of this, he's like, this has kind of rocked my world. You know, they are not used to this. And so he said, yeah, I'm really feeling a lot around it. Same with my daughter. I was like, wow, I want to kind of be in denial about how this is impacting them, my youngest. It's impacting my oldest because her kids are in Chicago public school and they were just out for a whole week. And, and now again, she's trying to work with the kids at home. I mean, so I just say that because I was a little surprised, even though they were older, they're older, not so much the oldest with the kids. I get that. But my son, I was like a little surprised that he was feeling it so profoundly. So um, they are also stressed about, and this is based on the research they did with teenagers, the mass school shootings, um, current political climate, uh, more than two thirds felt significantly stressed about our nation's future. I was surprised about that. About 60% are worried about the rise in suicide rates, 60%. Now that's kind of interesting because one thing that we don't realize either is that a lot of our kids' friends are depressed. And um, we're going to talk about how we can enter into those conversations with our kids, okay? So just laying the foundation of we need to not be in denial and we need to acknowledge that this is very real so that we can look through this lens of my kid might be struggling but not really talking about it. And maybe I'm seeing some of these signs like they're not wanting to do their homework. And rather than focusing on this is an issue that they're not doing their homework, we need to be thinking about a little bit expanding uh, how, we're, how we're perceiving this and thinking they might be struggling with a lot more than they're letting me in on. Because we know teens and teen, tweens don't talk about how they're feeling as much, or at least don't tend to. So the pandemic has had a profound effect. And I just want to think of this, I want you to think of this through the lens of grief. Grief takes time to heal. And there has been grief and loss. And when I was trained in grief counseling, and when I did grief training, it was very um, interesting that the biggest struggle that people had when they would sit with somebody that was grieving was they were like, when are they going to get over this? This could even be a loss of a loved one. They were like, after sitting with somebody that's grieving for a couple of years over the loss of a loved one, it's like, we want them to get over it, right? Even though we know, yes, we know grief takes time, but we can forget and want our kids with what they're experiencing to just get over it. Like get on with life. Okay. Just kind of, you know, just do your homework. Get out of bed when I tell you to get out of bed. Get motivated. Get out of the house. Stop cocooning in your room. We can get very frustrated and impatient. I think that's our human nature is to just want things to be better. And so we get frustrated with our kids' process. We get frustrated with our own process. And um, one of my friends was recently sharing just how, how anxious her husband is around COVID. And he has trying to manage so much anxiety. And she said, you know, I'm just so sick of him talking about his anxiety around COVID. And, and we can get battle weary. So no healing takes time. So here's my kind of my points. And I can give these to you as well after this is over. But number one, I've already gone over. Don't, under, don't, don't underestimate the challenges. Acknowledge what's true. Just accept the reality of this stressful situation that we've been in and that we have limited control over. And this models and helps our kids to tell the truth about what's so and to accept their own reality. So that's very important. Number two, we need to right now prioritize mental and emotional health above 
all else, all else. Now I want to, another reason I decided to do this was because of Whitney Fleming's post and it was beautiful. I shared it in our group and um, I love this. So she talks about sitting in the kitchen with her daughter and her daughter came downstairs and I think was working on some homework. And all of a sudden her daughter, she didn't talk or say anything. And all of a sudden her daughter started opening up about her anxiety. What if I get COVID and can't take my final exams? What if I miss all the review sessions? What if all my teachers get sick? What if they shut the school down again? What if this never ends? And she said she just did her best to just listen. And as she just listened, she could hear her anxiety rise and then fall. And it finally dawned on me what my daughter really needed to hear. You know what? She says, we're just going to do our best, but our best looks different right now. I know usually doing your best means how much effort you put into something, but your best might mean just taking your finals and failing all of them. And if that happens, it will be okay. We can all still figure it out. Your best might be if you get sick, only focusing on getting well. Your best might be getting more sleep instead of studying. Your best might be just getting up each morning to face the day right now. Then I took a deep breath and said, listen, I want you to know that whatever your best is right now, I am totally okay with it. I don't care about your grades right now. I just care about you. Hard stop. She said, I saw her exhale for the first time this week. And it goes on. That is what I want us to know because I've got older kids and I'm going to tell you their mental health and emotional health, if that impacts everything. And so we have to prioritize that because when you prioritize that, then everything else starts healing and falling into place. But if we do the opposite and we're like so stressed out about our kids failing out of school, and I just want you to know those are real. That is so real. That is so valid. But I want you to think about it's going to be okay if that happens. They can take summer school. There's all other things. If we're doing that to the detriment of our kids' emotional and mental health, then we're doing them a disservice. And then we actually can be doing a lot more harm than good because our intentions with our kids are good. We want good for them. And your kids are all at different places. So this is going to look different for each of you. But I want you to think about that. I want you to reflect on it because when we put that first, even what Whitney said to her daughter, I bet her daughter was able to study better, you know, was like, okay, it's going to be okay. I can do this. It took the pressure off. Our kids don't need a lot more pressure right now with what they're going through. Number three, normalize difficult emotions. And you hear me talk a lot about this, but this is key. We have to allow for expression of negative emotions. Express, express, express. I'm going through a hard time right now with something and I have support people in my life. And you know what they say to me? Express, express, express. Very counterintuitive. Cheryl, you need to reach out to me, reach out to me. You know, express your feelings. And when we stuff, when we, we stuff, when our kids stuff, you know, you think about the word depression, it's we're pushing it down, we're depressing it, right? We're pushing it down. Anxiety, it's the same thing from somebody that has suffered with panic attacks in the past. As a kid, the, the panic attack became worse when I was alone in it, I didn't feel like I could talk about it. The minute I could start crying about it, or I was like, I'm so anxious, or I brought somebody into my world that I was having this happening, then it just naming it to tame it, what Dan Siegel says, he, I think he's the one that coined that, just naming it to tame it brings anxiety down so much more. But if we minimize negative emotions, if we make negative emotions bad, like anger or sadness or anxiety, we're just focusing on trying to make it go away then it makes the anxiety worse. 
So when I was having a panic attack, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm having a panic attack. I'm having a panic attack. I'm having, I'm so anxious. I got to stop it. I'm so anxious. You know, it's like I flipped my lid and that's another Dan Siegel term. And so I flipped my lid and it made it worse. And it was a snowball effect. And it's the same thing with our kids. So we have to say, there's no bad emotions here. Anger, boy. Who of us doesn't want to shut that down when our kid comes at us? Anger, you know, it's immediately when you're, when we come at somebody in a, with anger, immediately their walls go up and it gets their amygdala in fight, flight, freeze mode. They might lash out again, but it's that mirroring that happens. And they have a lot of research done on our brains, you know, with that mirroring effect. So if our kids are expressing anger, And we lash out at them again with anger, which is so easy to do, but often that's going to escalate things. So we want to think about how we can de-escalate things. How we de-escalate things is by allowing for the feelings, which we know is counterintuitive. So I want you just to go, okay, I am just this week. That's what I'm going to practice. I'm going to just practice acknowledging what's true acknowledging the feelings and being okay with whatever I'm feeling, maybe wherever my kid's at and what they're feeling, because that is what it means to, that's where it starts on being a safe place for our kids. The truth is when we resist our feelings, it makes them bigger and it makes the suffering greater. But when we express it, it makes it go down. Number four, In order to do this, we have to be willing to sit in the discomfort. And that's what I'm doing a lot right now is I'm sitting in the discomfort. And that's where having safe people to talk to. One other safe person where you can express your emotions can help so much. Because when we're in discomfort, what do we want to do? We want to make it better. We want to fix it. We want to rescue. We want to tell our kids what they need to be doing about it because it's hard or we get into the blame or we're angry and we lash out or we want to control things. We try to control things, but then we just make it worse. Right. I mean, isn't it like, Oh, you know, I'm going to do that head rub right now, which means like I'm feeling a lot, right. We just, we just want to clamp down and we want to control things, but we have to be willing to just for today, I've got to sit in this discomfort. And for me right now, it's like I'm sitting in this discomfort and I'm not going to act right now. Because I know that for me right now in my life with what I'm going through, I can't do anything about it. It doesn't feel right to do anything about it. But boy, you better believe I want to. You better believe I want to control it. I want to fix it. I want to make it better. But I know that I have to sit in the discomfort that that's the most powerful thing I can do right now. So check in with yourself again and what you're feeling. Name it in you first, okay? So I'm noticing I'm feeling really sad and I'm, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling scared and I wanna feel it. And I just need to have some compassion on myself and I need to express those feelings. So in order to do this for our kids, sitting in the discomfort means that and the goal is to be able to sit in our own anxiety with our kids being in their anxiety and to be able to accept wherever they are at which again we know that this is all difficult this is all not easy to do but if they pick up on our anxiety around their anxiety it's not what they need what they need is to be seen and heard And the more that they feel our anxiety and we're reacting in that anxious place, the more they're going to resist us and they're not going to want to talk to us. Just remind yourself, okay, this is really uncomfortable right now. This is really hard right now, but I just need to sit, sit in this, even though it feels so uncomfortable. Number five, this goes along with it. Listen, listen 80% of the time. And talk 20 and validate. And I'm going to give you a sheet on how to reflective listen, how to do this. It's a skill, something that I have, I practice on a daily basis, something that I um, have been trained in years, for years, 
and trained other people in for years. It is not easy to do. That's why it takes so much practice. So we can practice. We're going to blow it. I recently blew it. It's like, oh, there it was. There it reared its ugly head, right? And I had a really difficult time. But uh, listening to that, just sending in that discomfort and not reacting. But if we do this 40% of the time, we're doing an awesome job. So that is what the, the studies show. So I just want to encourage you with it. So we want to acknowledge that the, this is real, that their feelings are real, that their feelings are valid. And I know what you're thinking. I can read your mind down. Well, wait, wait, wait. I don't think that they should be feeling angry at me that I set a boundary, right? I don't think they should, you know? Well, yeah, to a teenager that hears no from you, they're not going to like that. So yeah, do you not want them to feel that way? Of course you don't, but that is real for them. Uh, what you're telling me that I, I should just accept that my kid is uh, complaining about his work and not motivated. Well, for them right now, that is a reality. They're not motivated. So any amount of trying to advice give or fix to motivate them isn't going to work. We have to start with listening to it, <laughs> listening to the feelings and valid, acknowledging it, that it's difficult, whatever they're going through is difficult and very real for them, and then validate it. How do we do this in a way that will help us? Because I'm thinking, you know, yeah, Cheryl, it's good. You know, you want to seek to understand, you want to listen, you want to do all those things, but I'm having a hard time doing it. And uh, so how can I help myself? I find that a really helpful way for me is to be curious, to enter from more of a place of curiosity rather than judgment. And again, not easy to do. But when we can come more from a curiosity place to understand, to seek to understand where they're coming from, it's going to help us with our reactivity. And when all else fails and you're reactive, don't say anything. And um, there's a great book called, and maybe I didn't even think to put it out for um, parenting book club, but called Duct Tape Parenting. And the whole premise of the book is like, put a piece of duct tape on your mouth. <laughs> I think that's such a great visual for me. It's, it feels like that sometimes, doesn't it? You have to put a piece of duct tape across your mouth. Okay, so be curious. What might really be going on with them? What might they really be needing from me? Okay, I know from what I've heard from Cheryl is that they really need me to listen more than anything right now. So I don't have to do anything. And it actually frees you up to not have to do anything because it's not your fault. And we, a lot of times we take our kids' struggles personally. And so it makes us react because we think this is my job to do something. And we forget how powerful the listening part is. Number six, feel your feelings. These all kind of go together and encourage and model expressing feelings and what you need. Now, I know that's a lot. I was trying to make these so I didn't have more than seven points, to be quite honest, because <laughs> it could have been 15 or 16, but they kind of all go together. So I'm saying, feel your feelings. When you feel your feelings, you're modeling. And you want to model expressing. So feel feelings, model this, and then model too. It doesn't just stop there. Model what you need, because that is going to model for your kids, noticing their own feelings and expressing their feelings responsibly. Remember, we always talk about this. They don't know how to express their feelings responsibly. A lot of times we don't either. So we're in the same boat with them. We're all learning this and feelings. It's our amygdala too. I mean, if we think there's danger, if we're scared about something, which usually when we reactivity is usually based in fear. And so we're afraid of something. And so think about that. Notice how many times you're afraid when your kid says something. And I think that we walk around scared most of the time about something. So tap into that. And then we don't want to stop there. We want to be able to share how we're feeling and express our needs. So I have some examples for you and you will get these, okay? 
I'm feeling anxious right now. How's you noticing I feel anxious right now? You could be doing, your kid could be in the kitchen. You're just doing dishes. Wow, I'm noticing I'm feeling anxious right now. You just throw out a feeling. I notice I'm feeling a little down today. This is different from trying to get your kid to rescue you from your feelings where they have to fix it for you. And and that's kind of the oversharing with your kid. Sharing how you're feeling is not oversharing. It's modeling. It's, It's teaching your kid to slow down and connect with themselves and what they're feeling. And the more that we can do it, name it to tame it, the better we're going to be able to support our kids. So, wow, I'm anxious today around my work meeting that I've got. I'm really surprised I'm feeling as anxious as I am. I'm noticing, excuse me, I'm still getting over my cold. I'm noticing I'm feeling sad about grandma. It's an example. I haven't gotten out of the house today. And I, I think that's why. I'm feeling low energy and kind of down. I'm feeling overwhelmed with the messes around the house and would really like it after dinner if we could all help out, if we could all get the kitchen cleaned up. That would make me so happy. You see, you're saying what you need there. You're modeling, connecting with your feelings, and naming it to tame it. I have done this with my in my own family, and I will say that I started doing it more um, with my youngest because I was growing all along the way, and she is so skilled at doing this, and my husband does it now too. And just by you modeling it, you will start to see your family start doing it. And that is really cool. I was just with a mom yesterday working with a mom, and she was saying, you know what? I've noticed since I've been doing this with my husband, he does it now. And it's so cool, you know, just by me doing it. Suffering lessons. When we are not alone in our pain and complaints create disconnection and resentments, requests foster connection and more satisfaction. So by naming it out loud, you're suffering lessons just because you've named it to tame it and you're not alone because you put it out there. <clears throat> and what we want to do with our feelings when we're feeling things, we often can complain about feeling a certain way, but we want to say, what do I need here? So we want to also, it's, it's twofold. We want to model saying our feelings and then we want to think about what we need. And model that. When we complain, and I experienced this over the holidays when I had some family here, the complaints, but not asking directly for what somebody needed. And that was hard. And so complaining, when somebody's complaining, what do you want to do? You just want to kind of get away from them, right? And you you start feeling resentful. Well, that's the same if we're complaining and nagging. Our kids start feeling that. Like, I just want to get away from mom. I just, I notice I'm like starting to feel resentful. They they don't know that consciously, but they start to resent that, resent us. So they're going to go into the room. And I just interviewed on my podcast, I just interviewed someone. And one of the things she was saying is one of the, I said, what are some of the biggest mistakes or complaints in the teams you work with have Sherry Gazette, Gazette was, um, is her name, and um, of TeenWise. And she said, um, teens complain that when they finally come out of the room, the first thing that their parent does is they nag them about something. So they all they want to do is go back into their room. So we want to think about that, that if we're just complaining, requests foster connection and more satisfaction. So it's very different when we say something like I said about, hey, there's a lot of cleanup around here and I would like after dinner if we could all help out. Now, is that always gonna go smoothly? Are we always gonna get our needs met? No, we're not, but it's much better if we start asking. And I think that you will find that the more that you can ask versus complain, 
the more that you're going to see that people do want to help more than you think they do. And your kids are willing to help more than you think they are. Um, Coping skills. So this kind of, I put under it, let's turn off the news. I notice it's stressing stressing me out. Um, Boy, I notice I'm feeling anxious. What I'm really trying to do right now is just focus on one day at a time. Um, Just throwing out the question, it's stressful right now. There's a lot of overwhelm. We're being bombarded again with this whole COVID thing. And there's so much coming at us. And so what can we let go of? Having that just be an open-ended question. What do you think you can let go of that's stressing and overwhelming you? Um, do your best right now. Just like Whitney said to her daughter, do your best. Well, what does your best mean? What does our best look like right now? I kind of hate that sometimes. Do your best. It's like, well, what does that mean given that I'm a little sick and not feeling so great? What does my best look like today? Well, maybe part of my best is allowing my, giving myself permission to rest at dinner, go around. What's the low point of your day today? What was the high point? High lows. I know a lot of people that do that. Um, One thing that I do, and this might not work for you, and that's okay if this doesn't work. But what I started doing with my daughter when she really, my youngest, when she really started struggling when the pandemic hit, uh, and she started meeting with a therapist. Um, She's okay with me talking about that. But we do check-ins. And we did one over Christmas too. And a check-in is just sharing how you're feeling and what's going on inside of you. So we took a, we took a, um, we did a check-in. We walked around the block and we had COVID and she was like, I'm feeling so frustrated. And you know what? I'm really irritated with this family member and this is bugging me and I hate not feeling good and I'm so tired and I've got this to do and I've got that to do and I have to apply for jobs for because I'm a senior, second semester senior in college and I got to get a job. So she's saying all this stuff to me. The cool thing about check-ins, you don't fix it. That's a rule. You just listen to how they feel. And, and then I was like, then I got to go. But I, I try and make sure that I don't dump on her. But I'm just like, yeah, I really am kind of beating myself up right now that I'm not feeling good because I feel like I need to be working more than I can. You see what I'm saying? So maybe a check-in can say, hey, I heard about check-ins. And are you willing to check in and just share how you're feeling, what you're frustrated about? Different, just giving you some different ideas. It might just be going to get takeout with your kid having them ride with you in the car and saying, Hey, what's frustrating in your world right now? What are you hating? They love that. They love to talk about the negative. They love the word socks too. And you know, what do you experience? Oh, that sucks. You know, they love that. It's very validating to them. Number seven, check in with them. So this kind of goes with what I was saying. You want to ask open ended questions. I will include these in the other conversation starters. So how are you feeling? You don't have to say, how are you feeling? You know, then they're like, woo, okay. But how are you feeling? And kind of ask it a little open, you know? Oh, fine. Oh, you know, like, you know, but they're going to start tapping in how they're feeling. How are you feeling? Oh, fine. What does fine mean? You might little, you know, want to push a little bit more. What are you frustrated about? Are, how are your friends doing? I'm hearing that kids are really struggling right now. Are, you, are kids talking about that? Are your friends talking about that on Snapchat? That is a really good kind of entryway because it's third party. You're not talking, asking your kid directly. My oldest used to share a lot about how she was doing through stories about her friends. And I started to pick up on it. And I was like, oh, this is really how she's doing but she feels safer talking about her friends feeling this way. So that's a way that you can safely talk about it. What are you finding helps you to cope with like those stressful feelings and the overwhelm that you're experiencing right now? Mm. What helped you take care of yourself? What are, how are you taking care of yourself with that? Because it's a lot and a lot of kids acknowledge again, what's true. I've heard so many kids are lacking motivation And I get it. You don't want to do your homework, that you're lacking motivation. Is social media helping you to feel more connected right now? 
that can be something because you know what I'm noticing or I'm scrolling, going on social media a lot. I'm not feeling so great. How are you feeling? And then if they're talking about anxiety and stress to ask them something like, um, what do you think if they're saying I'm overwhelmed, what do you think the source of that is? Like, what do you think? Are you telling yourself that you need to do X, Y, and Z kind of like Whitney was saying, what, what is your best right now when it comes to like coping with what you're feeling? So ask them, what do you think that is? What's going on? Embrace that curiosity. I asked a friend of mine that teaches at a big high school here in Chicago, what she, I wanted to talk to her about what she is seeing with the students. And I said, would you, advice would you give parents? She said, number one, listen, don't try to fix it. Just listen. And this was, this was surprising to me. She said, number two, force face-to-face time. And this is, uh, my friend is so chill. So I was like really surprised that she said force. So I want to use, because I think force, I think of going in there, like, you know, having a resistant teenager and trying to force it is usually going to be met with resistance. So I want to use the word to not give up, but to encourage, just like a cat, my teens can be like cats. They can go under the bed. They're hiding under there. We have to think about how do you draw your kid out? How can you draw them out to get some face-to-face time? And then she said something very interesting. She said, I'm having to coach my students on how to connect with friends again because they are unskilled at it and they have forgotten how. I would not have thought that, she said. And then I looked back on what the moms were saying in the big Facebook group. So many of them had to do with friendships. And that is a big thing right now. And so I think our kids need a little bit of coaching about how they can reach out. Coach them through through how to do that. And then lastly, right now, your kid needs more than anything else to be heard and to say something along the lines of, I get it. This is hard. This is tough. And you know what? We are going to get through it. We are going to get through it. And healing takes time. This will be a process and this will take time. And I know I just want to be out of the woods. I just want everything to be back to normal, how it was. I want to feel better. And it is process. We're in this healing process from experiencing a lot of losses. And I'm okay with whatever your best is right now. And remember, put everything in perspective and know that by taking care of your kids' emotional and mental health, you're giving them the best gift right now that you possibly can give them. I want to just read something. I was asking Jen Keel, who is my business partner, what she thinks Isaiah would say. And Jen was so cute. She's like, he's still sleeping because they all have COVID. He's still sleeping. But I can be sure he would say this. Don't push us. Don't push us. And I agree. Don't push us. We have to be patient with where they are at right now. Right now. Also, one thing that I am doing in my own life, we have to take care of ourselves. Because if we're not taking care of ourselves, we're going to be more in reactivity. We're going to be more tired and more likely to be reactive. We're going to be trying to control things that we can't control. And we have to ask ourselves, what can I control about my day? So I've been saying this a lot lately, but I like saying it because it reminds me of where I want to stay grounded. And that is waking up in the morning and laying the foundation for my day. Uh, having my quiet time and saying, how can I make today the best day that I can possibly make it? So today, the best day I can possibly make it was I canceled a podcast interview I had this morning. I was a little unrealistic with my, my time and being sick. And I had sent them my calendar. And so that was self-care. Even though I felt badly doing that, a little guilty doing it, I knew uh, this is where I want to put my, my energy and attention today. 
My voice, as you can tell, is a little limited. So today for me to make my, my day the best that I can make it was to get up, have some quiet time, work on this, be with all of you, and sit my discomfort, reach out. I have a call this afternoon with someone and um, go for a walk. Um, and I have, I have uh, one client this afternoon, so I can take care of some things that I really need to take care of. And we have a house showing. Can you believe it? So our house is on the market, but to be gentle and kind with myself. So every day I'm waking up and saying, how can I make this the best day? And what does the best day look like? So we can be in that question for ourselves. And maybe it's like, you know what? We just need to think of one loving thing we can do for ourselves, no matter how small that is, rather than checking it off. And um, the whole self-care thing feels like another to-do list versus how can I take care of my own emotional and mental health right now and well-being? And it might just mean letting go of stuff, letting things slide, knowing that letting things slide does not mean you're a bad mom. It doesn't mean you're irresponsible. Maybe it's um, taking care of yourself right now is admitting that you can't control these things and saying, you know, I can allow this to eat me alive wherever I'm at with my, my kid that's struggling right now, or I can just be present, try and be a safe place for them to listen and take care of myself right now. What do you, you do that helps you? Um, I got a question. How do I support my kid through a breakup? That's been a common one. Another one that another question that came in was how do I support my daughter who her friendship group has changed? She's really struggling with that. And again, it's sitting in that discomfort of where they're at, what they're going through, listening, validating the pain of it, hearing them and not having to do anything in that moment. And then coming back around, a lot of times it's just good, do that. Don't have to do anything else. Come back around and say, hey, how's it going? How are you feeling now? You shared this with me yesterday. How is it going today? Because see, a lot of times when they feel like we're going to bombard them with advice, they're not going to open up and talk to us. But if they know they have space to talk about it, mom's not going to fix it. Mom's not going to offer that advice. They're going to feel safer to come right back around when you say, how are you doing today about it? So you're actually you're actually opening up more space for them to share versus that one time. Does that make sense? I always appreciate your insight and support. I need to be reminded to just listen to my kids without fixing it. Thank you for saying that, Jen. And you know what? Um, We're all like that. We are all like that. And um, it's so easy to do. And I sometimes think for me, it's declaring it out loud. So what do I mean by that? You know, I have noticed, I'm really aware that when you share something with me, sometimes I want to jump in and fix it. And that's not really what you want. That's I, I notice the minute I do that with you, and this is modeling too with our kids, you know, the minute I, I start doing that with you, I just notice that you don't want to talk to me. And so say what's so. You can say, I, I noticed you don't want to talk to me. So I am giving myself an assignment that every time I offer you advice, I actually have a friend that's doing this with her husband. She set up a jar. She said, every time I tell my husband what to do, I'm, I put a quarter in the jar. I put, a, I put something, I don't know how much she's putting in. I would think she'd go broke very fast. She'd run out of quarters. <laughs> but she said, I'm putting money in the jar. And I love that. If you can make it fun, you can be playful. So I am going to take this on. And every time I give advice, I am going to put a quarter in the jar and do that and and hold yourself accountable before. And and then they'll start calling you out. Mom, you're giving me advice. You're right. Ching. You put it, you know, in there. So that down the road, you can start a complaining jar. Okay, every time somebody complains, we put a quarter in the jar. You know, you can make this playful and fun. Mm. But your kids, well, they'll, they'll be playful around that too. And you're like including them. And, you know, I'm tempted to fix this. 
And I'm really going to work on not doing that. And I'm going to work on listening more because I realize I don't always listen so well. That's, that's courageous to say that to your kids. That's, that's modeling vulnerability. And don't, we don't have to fall on our swords. We don't have to, um, we don't have to over apologize. That's, that's one of the things that I see that as moms, we tend to do. We can then so much beat ourselves up that we feel like we have to over apologize. No, we don't want to do that. We don't have to over apologize, but just kind of declaring that this is something you're working on right now. So hopeful, hopefully that's helpful. I think it's cool to say this is where I'm where I'm working on something in my in my life right now. I know somebody else that really had a, a struggle with swearing, and they started a swear jar. And so every time they said a swear word, they put money in the jar. So there's all different kinds of ways we can have fun. We can play with it. We can say, hold me accountable when I'm fixing trying to fix something and you don't want me to do that. Let me know. The flip side is we have to be willing to hear it. It's not so fun to hear it. But then again, we can go, oh, my gosh, you're right. I'm doing it again, right? And then we have to sit in that discomfort. It's not easy to do. Assignments are good to give ourselves. This is what I'm practicing. So this is what I'm practicing, sitting in my own discomfort right now, sitting in those hard feelings and not doing anything, sitting on my hands, because right now, sitting on my, excuse me, sitting on my hands is the best thing I can do. I'm doing it. It is not easy. So um, I'm going to go now because I feel like I'm getting feverish (laughs) (laughs) my, my voice is going, but um, I'm so grateful that you came and that you showed up here and that you're with me. All right, everybody have a great day. Thank you for your well wishes. I will probably take a rest this afternoon. That's what I will do to take care of myself. Okay. I will see you later. Love you all. And I would love to hear from you what was helpful. Well, that's it for today, and I hope that you found that helpful. I would love to hear any takeaways that you had, as I said, during the workshop. And also, you can go to Mott's, M-O-T-T-S, University, and you can download the resources. You just want to go to Mott's University, go to the workshops, and you will see seven things that you can do to help your tween or teen with their emotional and mental health. And you'll get the transcribed notes, the video version, the podcast version, and also the conversation scripts to support your kids. So thanks again for joining me and have a great week. And I will see you back here next time.